0: Horror Critic.
1: Good evening, horror fans. Welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And this is a podcast where my wife and I... Critique and argue over horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. Maybe we never quite enlighten you, maybe we never blow your minds, but hope you have a good time listening. So today we are kicking off our The Night Halloween Came Home theme for October. You all voted, this is what you chose. So this is basically going to be a month of just films that take place around Halloween. And so we're starting with the 1988 film Night of the Demons. And this is directed by Kevin Tenney, who also did the film Witchboard, as well as one that I just wanted to mention because of how ridiculous it is, and that's Pinocchio's Revenge, (laughs) which is like one of the earlier films I remember renting from Blockbuster. And I just remember, I'm pretty sure there's a scene of like a girl showering and there's like this creepy Pinocchio just watching her. (laughs) It's terrible, but entertaining, I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen it in decades, but... But, so I just wanted to mention that, and then it was also written by Joe Augustin, who also wrote Night of the Demons Part 2, and this is basically a film about a group of teens who go to party at this place called The Hull House on Halloween night, and end up accidentally unleashing a bunch of demons that take them over, and, you know, make their night a little bit more hellish, so... You know, like you do. (laughs) Like you do. Uh, But I always say, who doesn't want to party with a demon? Um... (laughs) But before we get into that, we have our usual spoiler-free content. We are going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it, make sure you do go check it out. I am not positive, but I'm sure it's on Prime somewhere. Possibly. If not, it's well worth the rental. So as far as releases go this week, before we get into all that, and these will all be out by the time you're listening to this, first up is a film called Coming Home in the Dark, and this will be out on VOD. Uh, This is basically a film about a family vacationing and they have a run-in with a couple of bad dudes who kind of turn the whole thing pretty horrific. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I won't say much more than that because it is a film that I think it's kind of easy to spoil but uh, it's look th- this is one of those movies that is so intense that you kind of feel like you need a shower afterwards oh. like it like it th- the way that it begins especially is just like Goddamn. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
2: they set the stage. Uh,
1: it, it, yeah, it's it's a very uncomfortable, dark movie, but it's ultimately very good. It's one that I think I caught at Sundance a while ago. You can find my review on KillerHorrorCritic.com. Uh, but I did ultimately really enjoy it, despite how just fucking depressing it is. <laughs> uh, but it is a good one, uh, definitely for those who like their horror to be a little bit more intense uh, but, so check out that. There's also a film called Bingo Hell, and this is now on Prime. Uh, this is part of the Welcome to Bloom House slate, so I think this is going to be a yearly thing that they're doing. Uh, last year they did it as well, and basically what it is is uh, Welcome to Bloom House is four feature horror films released on Prime through October. Uh, so Bingo Hell is the first one. It's directed by Gigi Saul Guerrero, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, she did Culture Shock for Hulu's Into the Dark which is still my favorite episode of that entire series. Yeah. Bingo Hell's basically about a bunch of old people who <laughs> <laughs> discover that there's this bingo hall that's just opened up that's uh, more or less stealing people's souls through greed. You know, it's kind of, kind of... It, it's a little bit needful things in Foss, but with, like, a Joe Dante style of humor and Gigi's penchant for, like, hardcore gore. That
2: sounds amazing. <laughs>
1: uh, it's really fun. You know, I... Something I've realized about Gigi is that she has this kind of sort of like cartoony flair to her work where you know everything kind of has this sort of like strange kind of uh, altered reality kind of vibe to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when I say cartoony, I don't mean that it's just like pure goofiness because she also is tackling really serious subjects a lot of time, like especially in Culture Shock. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because she has this kind of Joe Dante like over the top funny kind of humorous vibe but then it, she's, like, more hardcore than Dante, so she's thrown <laughs> in, you know, all this really extreme gore and just, like, tough subject matter, you know? Uh, and so, anyway, all that being said, Bingo Hell's a lot of fun. I, I definitely recommend checking it out. And then lastly, and you can find my review for that on KillerHurric.com as well. And then lastly is a film called Titan, uh, which I have not had the pleasure of seeing, unfortunately. I was supposed to this week and ended up having not being able to. So. <laughs> uh But that's just how it goes sometimes, but... Uh, Titan is the latest film from the director of the film Raw, uh, which was Ooh. one of my favorite movies of the year it came out. It's awesome. Go check it out. Uh, but Titan, <laughs> put simply, is because <laughs> uh, it kind of sounds like one of those films that's a little bit more inexplainable, but. <laughs> Put simply, it is a movie about a girl who fucks a car. And <laughs> I'm sorry,
2: that's putting it simply?
1: Uh, so I, that's all I know. I haven't seen it. If you've seen the trailer, you know that the movie looks totally insane and bizarre, but it's supposed to be amazing and a masterpiece. Uh, so that is now in theaters. So you can see that there. But all three are worth your time. Uh, I, I would recommend checking out any of them. So hopefully there's something there that kind of piques your interest. Uh, So another thing we like to do before we get into spoilers is every week on our Twitter, at Killer Critics, we like to put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film, where you think of it. So between Love It, It's Fine, Don't Like It, and Never Seen It, what do you think think our audience thinks of Night of the Demons?
2: Okay, I hope that more of our audience has seen this film than any of our invisible friends from last month. So I'm going to go with It's Fine.
1: Ron again, Chris. God damn it. <laughs> yes. No, I, I do think that we'll have a, <laughs> I do think that this month we'll have movies that more people have seen. Uh, so there's that at least. But no, uh, so Love It took it by 56%. Uh, it's Fine is 27%. Don't Like It is 3%. And Never Seen It is 14%. And no, yeah, th- this movie has a huge cult following. Oh, like people, people, People love this movie for the most part. <laughs> like
2: As they uh, should. This is a fun one.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a Halloween classic, right? And so that's why we're kicking off the month with it. That's where we're starting with it. So we also have some comments as, lo- as well to go along with these. So these are all from Twitter. Uh, so first up is at Real Feels Pod. So that's R-E-E-L-F-E-E-L-S-P-O-D. And they have a podcast. You should check them out as well. And they say, uh, yes, this is such a great film. The makeup, the what the fuck moments. And let's be honest, a party we all wish we were invited to. I think we all avoided rituals and mirrors for a while after this film.
2: Uh, Yeah, I do have to agree. The makeup for this movie is phenomenal. It's so good. The what the fuck moments are great. Um, I don't know about if this is a party I'd like to go to.
1: Oh, it's a party I want to go to. Of
2: course you do. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where like, it seems like it's fun. I don't think I actually want to party with demons
1: who doesn't I mean, want to party with you don't want to make it out with a demon no I'm i don't ju- i'm just saying i bet demons do it better than anybody else so you know
2: what i'm i'm good i don't need to have like body parts ripped off in the middle of sex well i mean look
1: you know that's just the price you pay for the, <laughs> for the
2: for, good sex. For, for
1: the joy or the pleasure of making out with a demon yeah
2: i think i'm good I, i'm gonna i'm gonna skip this party
1: uh yeah no i i would totally go this party fuck fuck yeah um <laughs> But, uh, but no, yeah, the, the makeup's incredible, although I do think it's funny, and we'll get more into this as we go, because I actually think there's a reason for it. it, it hopefully it'll come up, but uh, I do think it's funny, though, that there are certain moments in the film where it almost kind of feels like, oh, the the makeup artists were just lazy and decided I don't want to make that person look like a demon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, I do think there's a reason which we'll talk about, but but no, for the most part, the makeup's great, and yeah, no, it's totally a party I'd like to go to. So uh, thank you at Real Feels Pod <laughs> for the comment, appreciate it. Uh, next up is at Manster two zero nine nine, so that's M A N S T E R two zero nine nine, and they say it's probably the movie I most associate with USA Up All Night, which I have a feeling that Chris might have never ever watched USA Up All Night.
2: I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is.
1: Of course you don't. Um, <laughs> Look, my, I'm a my, small my bubble wife, child. My wife is very was very much a bubble child. Um, so.
2: <laughs> Spent my childhood watching cartoons.
1: Yeah, so so no, I, I I'm with you. I believe this is where I first caught it as well. Uh, I, I definitely was there for every USA Up All Night that I could that I could be watching right, which is pretty much every weekend. Okay, um, for
2: us not cool kids, what's USA All Night?
1: I, it's it's just it you know like a lot of channels just had their kind of like weekend like movies, and I, I think if I remember right, USA Up All Night was a double feature so. Uh um so and they they did a mix of stuff like mm-hmm. i don't if i remember correctly because this was a long time ago uh but i believe they did just all kinds of genres you know and they usually did stuff like night of the demons and that kind of thing but yeah no i i remember catching this there i think this is where i caught a lot of uh friday the 13th movies as well whenever friday the 13th would come around but yeah no i just wanted to me- i just wanted to mention that comment because you know Some of you just don't know the joys of, (laughs) (laughs) or I should say the pain of having to wait so long to see movies sometimes. Because, you know, USA Up All Night, when I was a kid, that was like an opportunity to see some of these movies. Uh Granted, they would be cut and edited (laughs) and not in their you know full glory uh but but you know when i was a kid i mean that's what you had to do we didn't have fucking you know on demand and netflix and prime (laughs) and all this other shit that you have access to i mean my my mind as a as a child would have exploded if i knew that at any time i had access to thousands of movies i i don't know that i ever would have left my room (laughs)
2: probably not
1: and you know i i just i i hope that People now appreciate that they have that because, because <laughs> uh, when I again when I was a kid, not to continue sounding like the fucking old man on his lawn here, but. <laughs> But, you know, when you were a kid, like, say, for instance, I caught the end of something on USA all night, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie seems incredible. I really want to see the whole thing. Well, I might have to wait months until (laughs) I could ever see it again because I might have to wait for it to come back on TV or something, right? Uh It's not like today where I could just go on fucking YouTube or Amazon Prime (laughs) or whatever and just, you know, find it immediately. So, so yeah, no. I hope you all all know what you have. (laughs) Um, That being said there was a joy in when you finally got to see one of these movies. And so it was almost like discovering treasure. So maybe I had it better. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so thank you at manster 2099 for the comment. Really appreciate it. And then last up is a comment from at karate, Papa 11. So that's K a R a T E P a P a one, one. And they say, I have to say I liked part two better. I thought part two blended the eighties demon story and campy horror very well. Where else do you see a nun use a rosary like a nunchucka? <laughs> Those movies were my first jump into non-mainstream horror as a kid.
2: Well, now I need to see number two because that sounds
1: amazing. You do need to see number two. You know, I I will admit it's been a while since I've seen number two, but I really like it. You know, it's it for some reason it never really kind of seems in the circle as much. It, it doesn't mm. get talked about nearly as much as this original, uh, but it is a really fun horror film, and I and I agree. Actually, I do think that they. Kind of up to the ante on a lot of what worked in the first one. Mm-hmm. It is more campy. The I I think the effects are a little bit better if I remember right too. And so yeah, I mean regardless, like look, Night of Demons is great. But if you haven't seen the sequel, you got to see the sequel. It's a double feature. <laughs> yeah, and Angela returns. Although I don't believe it's the same actress. Uh, <laughs> but but no, it's a good movie. And also yes, who doesn't want to watch a nun fight with the rosary like a nunchucks? Right. <laughs> But anyway, so thank you at KaratePapo11 for the comment. Really appreciate it. And so, one last thing we like to do before we get into spoilers here is kind of tagline versus the film, what we think of the tagline, the movie overall. So, the tagline for Night of the Demons was Angela is having a party. Jason and Freddy are too scared to come, but you'll have a hell of a time. <laughs>
2: I love that so much. And yeah, you know what? I think Freddy would be too afraid to come to this party because all of these demons would kick his scrawny little ass.
1: I mean, Freddy is a demon, so... (laughs) I mean, he is, but
2: I still think these demons would kick his ass.
1: Uh, Debatable, but...
2: But no, I really like this film. It's it's cheesy. It's over the top. I love the fact that the actors aren't necessarily like the highest quality. And it makes me love them more when they just like yell their lines at you. The mm-hmm. whole thing just is this cheesy, campy, wonderful goodness that is perfect to kick off the October season with.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's the kind of movie that I would discuss as like a greasy cheese pizza. Right. Where it's just like (laughs) where it's it's junk food for the brain. Mm. It's campy. It's cheesy as hell. And I mean, that's why we love it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as far as that tagline goes, just really quick. Just, you know, I usually don't like to elaborate on these too much. But what I do think is nice about this one is that, you know, you'll hear us talk a lot on here about how we kind of wish that there were more iconic female horror villains, right. Mm-hmm. That, that were on the level of Freddie and Jason, you know, that people talked about all the time that got dozens of sequels. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and the, I, I like this setup because it, it, it kind of sets the up the film to be a competitor in that space. Right. Yeah. It it kind of sets it up of like, yeah, Angela is going to be your new favorite horror villain. Right. Mm-hmm. And, Ultimately, it didn't work out that way. You know, we don't have dozens of <laughs> Night of the Demons <laughs> movies, although I wish we did. Uh, but, but I like that there was an attempt at that. You yeah. know, and I'm not saying that's exactly what they were going for, but I like the implication of that. I like that, you know, they were setting up Angela to be, you know, potentially this horror villain that you would keep coming back to.
2: Yeah, and she has um, such a wonderful, iconic look, too.
1: She does. And, and that's why a lot of people remember this movie. So that's the thing is, you know... Angela does have a huge fan base. It's just (laughs) not anywhere like what it could have been with Freddy and Jason, right? Yeah. But that being said, you know, I just, just something else I want to mention is this movie, uh, before we get into spoilers, this is spoiler free here, so I want to mention the opening credits of this film because, you know, Night of the Demons is the, it's like a perfect Halloween party movie, and that's established immediately by the credits because, you know, you have these opening credits which are all animated, and it's like, it's, like, cartoons, and it's, like, you know, halloween themes. so there's, like, ghosts and demons and monsters, and, you know, it's just, like, and there's this really great score, right? Mm-hmm. And it just puts you in this ultimate, like, Halloween party vibe, and I just so badly <laughs> wish that movies still did a lot of stuff like this. You know, we right? we hardly, especially these days where, you know, the kind of, quote-unquote, elevated... <laughs> I fucking hate that term, by the way. uh, But that fucking elevated horror mindset—you know—so much of that horror is not having fun with the credits. It's not, (laughs) it's not doing things like this. It's not setting you up for this kind of campy fun vibe, right? You know, Mm -hmm. it takes itself very seriously, and that's fine. I love a lot of those movies. Yeah. But you know, like we talk about all the time here, I I would love to see more of a balance. And we are gradually, I think, returning to more horror like *Night of the Demons*. So in that return. I would love it if we could get credits like this again. You know, just these really fun, goofy credits. Uh, Saturday the 14th is another movie that has opening credits that are kind of like this, right? Just really fun and cartoony and, you know, Halloween-y. And uh, just, we need more like that. Yeah. Oh, and Zombieverse. Zombieverse is another one. <laughs> That's actually a recent one that I love the credits to. And it gets, it just... It puts you into the movie. It Gets you excited for the movie. Yeah. I hate boring credits more than anything else. If your credits are boring, I'm already bored.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just hate the fact that a lot of credits these days are trying to like set up the whole like mood of the movie. Of like, let's show you all this scenery. It's just like, no, show well, me an animated zombie running across the screen.
1: Well, sometimes they don't even do that. You know, sometimes the movie just starts and it's like we're playing the scar and oh, here's the title and. Now we're yeah. moving into our first scene, and it's like, no, mother, have fun with it. Ease <laughs> me into this movie. This, this, is the, this is the one point of your film where you can be as over the top as you want, you know, do something fun. And look, it doesn't even have to be cartoony, you know, like like John Carpenter's Halloween with the, with the jack lantern yeah. especially Halloween part two where the jack lanterns like ripping open and we see the skull inside, which I can't wait to talk about Halloween two with you all this <laughs> month. But, uh, but I'll stop rambling about that. You get my point. Fun credits. Great movie. <laughs> Give it. Uh, So, so we're going to move into spoiler territory now. So again, if you have not seen Night of the Demons, highly recommend it. If it's not streaming somewhere that you can find, it's totally worth the rental, you know, so check it out there if you can. Otherwise, going to move into spoilers now. So as usual, who do you want to talk about in this movie? You know, we've got, let's see, we've got our main character, Judy, played by Kathy Podwall. Uh, Roger, played by Alvin Alexis, Stooge, played by Hal Havens, Linnea Quigley is in this as Suzanne, Angela, played by Amelia Kincaid, who do you want to talk about?
2: Uh, So, I really want to talk about Roger, uh, because he's one of our few kind of final boys, which we don't, you know, always get a whole bunch in horror, and I fucking love Roger, because Roger... Is the only smart one in this film who takes one look at the shit going on and goes, I am fucking out of here. This <laughs> yeah. boy runs away so much in this movie.
1: See, see Roger's a mixed bag because, <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I, I will say that, you know, yeah, kind of a final boy, and that he's, he we're makes... in sports territory now, and yeah. that he survives. Yeah. I, I will say, though, that I would not consider him as, as traditionally like a final. Boy or whatever, only because he's not our main character. Is it because and he just
2: keeps running and never fights?
1: Also that, uh, <laughs> but no, he, he's not the main character. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's more typical for a movie like Night of the Demons for one of the dudes to survive in the end, right? Mm-hmm. It's usually slashers where it's like there's one person left, and it's almost always a woman. Yeah. Um. But and and yes, you know, Roger is hilarious to me because, uh, I I I, I have two different viewpoints on him because at one point. On one hand, he is very smart. He is one of the only characters to be like, nope, I'm out, <laughs> you know, fuck this haunted house, right? And he, I mean, he's, he's one of the few characters where in the very beginning of the movie, he's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. He doesn't <laughs> and,
2: participate in the seance.
1: Right, he, he doesn't participate in any of the shit that should get him fucked over, and yet he still ends up getting trapped there and it just sucks for him. <laughs> uh, but but I, but I do love that. And especially, you know, uh, especially too when you consider it's 1988, and we had already started to establish the trope of, like, you know, the the black guy dies first. And mm-hmm. so I love just seeing Roger as a black man, like, being able to sur- not just make it to the end, but survive through the end. Yeah. Uh, and be the smart character. And that's really funny, too, when you watch some of these genre films, because it's almost always uh, the minority characters and women that are, like hey, something's fucking wrong here. (laughs) And it's always the white dudes that are like, no, shut up. Let's fuck. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's because we have a sense for danger. Right. And we get the fuck out.
1: Right. And white dudes do not. No, they do not.
2: (laughs) I know. It's I really love Roger for that reason, because he makes it to the end, because he's also really, even though he does help our main character, Judy, escape at the end, you know, he's not the one who's kind of holding her up, which is normally what we see, you know, the the black character do a lot of times like he's the one who's like breaking down and having a moment and she has to comfort him and she has to step up and i think it's kind oh. of nice seeing that and then look this motherfucker runs through a goddamn glass screen door to get the fuck out of there
1: well wouldn't you you would you, apparently because you would like this
2: fucking like he goes to the glass door he climbs up the barbed wire on the wall like with no thought he's just like i'm getting the fuck out of here i don't give a shit about the pain I am out and I hardcore respect him for that. He's so I, awesome. I mean,
1: I think I think when it comes to, you know, surviving or having your intestines slowly ripped out by demons, you know, a little barbed wire going through your hands is nothing. So Yeah, that's not
3: anything. <laughs> uh,
1: but no, but this is what's funny to me about Roger is like, yeah, on one hand he's really smart and he's one of the few characters we ever see just be like, Nope, I'm out. Yeah. Uh but on the other hand. Is it because he is smart, or is he just <laughs> an extreme fucking coward? Because, <laughs> cause then he spends the rest of the entire movie where every time something pops up that's scary, mm-hmm. he's sprinting. He doesn't even oh, yeah. wait. There's that scene with Judy and Sal when they rescue her, and then Angela shows up, and Rogers immediately just like fuck this, and he's like, <laughs> he's already running before they even know what's happening, right? And so, look, like, if
2: you're dumb enough to stay behind. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, true. So, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make him stupid to be running away like a coward. He's just a fucking (laughs) coward. Is what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, It's it's just hilarious. Like, I I love that. You just never... You don't see that so often where there's one character just keeps running away.
2: (laughs) I think that's one of the charming things about Night of the Demons is that you do get some of those very kind of different from the normal tropes. And having a character just bolt at the slightest hint of danger is amazing.
1: Definitely. So... Uh, Who I want to talk about really quick is Angela, and why I want to talk about her is that, you know, Angela to me is kind of fascinating, and she's kind of representative of, like, something that I've always found really interesting about the genre, and that's the fact that, per usual, anybody, any horror fan who looks back on this movie, Judy's not their favorite character Jay's definitely not their favorite character. <laughs> oh, <fuck> that guy. <laughs> you know, and maybe Lunia Quigley as Suzanne is their favorite character, but a lot of people love Angela. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is Angela is like a symbol of horror fans. You know, she she represents like that that typical outcast, weirdo, you know, all the things that horror fans are called when we we're growing up, or at least we were back in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Um and you know so she's representative of like that kind of outcast sort of person which is which is the the group that horror fans always get pigeonholed into and it's funny because you know then you look at the characters who are our main characters that we're rooting for you know, it's like Judy, like the most basic fucking <laughs> white girl Karen that you could possibly ask for, right? Um, and, and Jay, like the most fucking vanilla dude ever. Nobody
2: for- is rooting for Jay. No, no, no,
1: not not rooting for him. But Jay is like one of our like main protagonists for a while, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know. But basically, what I'm getting at is like they're all like these super vanilla white people for the most part, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I just I always find it fascinating because that's how it always or at least how it always used to tend to go on horror, especially in the 80s and the 70s, is, you know, your main group of kids would be all of these, like, totally, quote-unquote, normal kids
3: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> uh, who are just, like, generally the most basic white people possible, and then anyone who is not that is always deemed, like, the weirdo and, you know, the the nerd or, like, these people that get killed off earlier than the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's kind of fun like how the genre has kind of transformed a little bit over time because well it's not always the case now these days we more often find the characters like Angela being our protagonist you know now now in horror we're more often following the kind of outcast characters or the you know, the sort of, like, nerds or the weirdos, right? Because they know what's up. Well, they know what's up, but I think part of that is because, you know, you have this generation of filmmakers that grew up with movies like Night of the Demons, and when they got to their time of making movies, I think they were like, "Uh, you know what, I want to see myself as the hero for once. I don't want to see fucking Judy's. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to see Judy's anymore. I want to see Angela's. I want to see... You know, I want to see Suzanne's. So I want to see characters like that taking the lead role. Yeah. A- and that's great for horror fans like us, you know, because that's what's always been so weird to me about the genre, is mm-hmm. that, you know, if you grow up as a horror fan, you almost never see yourself as the hero. Mm-hmm. It's always basic white kids. And so, <laughs> you know, so so to be able to kind of see, like, the weirdos kind of take charge as of late you know It's it's been really great yeah so i just wanted to mention that because you know angela is just in the movie she's put in this place of being like the ultimate evil you know like she's <laughs> she's she's everything that characters like judy are afraid of right it's just like the these um you know i wouldn't necessarily say angela's like sexually enlightened but like just mm-hmm. these these characters that are kind of free from the binds of what kids consider normal at the time, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I just love the fact that Angela gets to become our big bad, even though she's not the first infected. Because normally I feel like we see the first infected become the big bad, the queen, what have you. And it is really interesting in Night of the Demons that even though Suzanne's the one who's first infected, Angela is the one who becomes like, you know the big queen of the demons and i think it's all to do with the wardrobe it's her costume the demon was just like as much as i love this like fluffy pink concoction i want to be a demon queen all in black
1: i, I do think that i want to talk about costumes in a second but first i want to say that you know to to give you an idea for for why i'm kind of going on this rant is uh supposedly you know just to get just to give you an idea for like how who we're following as our heroes is not necessarily unintentional mm-hmm. is the the writer originally from what i understand uh wanted to uh, have a gay couple in the film he wanted to have an interracial kiss which i'm just presuming that was probably between judy and roger at some point mm-hmm. uh he wanted to have these things and yet that was considered too radical by the producers and the director and so that kind of leads into what i want to talk about which is that you know this movie does kind of have like this heavy sort of christian vibe to it yeah (laughs) as as a lot of horror did in the 80s whether it was intentional or not and so getting into that just i want to hear what you first think of this what do you think of the costumes that the kids are wearing in this because to me they all are kind of sort of symbolic of different things
2: (laughs) yeah so for me i feel like all the costumes are really kind of um telegraphing what these characters who these characters are and what they're going through just because so our our main character judy is dressed as alice in wonderland and obviously that's intentional obviously you know she is our most innocent character in this film and a lot of this movie is her going through this very dark wonderland and just trying to escape it i it's the beauty thing of this film is that how intentional all the costumes are um, because you have characters like like Stooge, who constantly is being called like a fat pig, and a fat slob. And it's no coincidence that he shows up with a pig snout mm. at the beginning. Yeah, the way that I kind of see all the costuming is so smart. I have to talk about my favorite, which is Suzanne's. Because as we were just talking about, Suzanne is our first infected. Um, and she's wearing this brilliant costume. Because the first time we meet her, she's bent over in the grocery store, showing off her ass to distract Mm. the cashiers so that they can steal everything they want. Um, And I think kind of talking to your, you know, what you brought up with the, the Christian morality and everything like that, she is our seduction of the innocent almost just because she's wearing like this big like frothy pink confection that by all means should be the most innocent costume but the fact that that thing is so fucking sheer and she uses it to to seduce everyone well
1: well look so i i yes but i also think that it goes further than that so like it first of all you know because judy's our main character mm-hmm. i do agree with the the idea that this is like you know alice in wonderland coming into a whole new territory right mm-hmm. but but to go further with it you know to me it's it's less that you know she's just coming into this like dark world or whatever and for me it's more that You know, she is coming into this place that is representative of, like, everything she's scared of, right? Yeah. And everything that Judy is scared of because she's innocent is more adult things like sex and drugs and, you know, people like Angela and Suzanne. Mm -hmm. You know, again, she's this super, like, basic bitch Karen uh, (laughs) who, you know, who is so just... Goddamn lame! (laughs) That yeah. That you know she's the character where the second they walk into the house, she's like, "Can we go home already?" You know, (laughs) and she she spends the entire movie kind of like that of like you know this this little innocent like kind of mousy like I just want to go home. (laughs) I'm just gonna scream (laughs) all the time. Oh Jay, you know like (laughs) it's like like she's so boring. You know she's so boring of a person and. and you know but she but she's symbolic of i think you know kind of like christian america and <laughs> you know how how they view basically anyone like angela any anything that you know anything that kind of goes out of their like sanctimonious bounds right you know mm-hmm. so so you know she's in this house surrounded by you know like hormonal teens and you know, there's no really drugs in this, but I'm sure some of these kids do drugs, right? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, like she's surrounded by all this like depravity in her mind, you know, and this mm. sinning, right? <laughs> uh and so, you know, in that sense, she is like Alice in Wonderland. She's like she's like a Christian in Sinland, right? Who's just like she she's gotten to this place that's just, you know, packed full of all these things that are sins and that she's not supposed to do. You know, and so so her whole journey is like to me, kind of going through adulthood in a sense, and like mm. having to be confronted with all these things, and essentially growing up, you know, yeah. uh, and essentially like not not being allowed to be that kind of innocent teenager that she is anymore. Um, now,
2: I'm always curious about her innocence, though, because they do hint at like her and Sal well, having a
1: relationship. Well, well, look, well, well, I mean, not really, because she says they only went on one day, right? And and she's not, she never really. Uh, she never really goes further into it. Yeah. Um. But look, I mean, whether she slept with Sal that night or not, that doesn't mean that she's innocent or not. You know, mm-hmm. in- innocence isn't isn't having had sex once. Innocence is, you know, uh, kind of like a a, a fear and adherence, and you know, just not. <laughs> Not partaking, not indulging, right? Yeah. <laughs> is is kinda how I view it. So
2: Or the naivety to go on a date <coughs> with somebody like Jay without realizing what he's actually after.
1: Yeah, well, and she's also awesome naive, right? So yeah. that plays into it as well. So um so there's all of that. Now, as far as, you know, the rest of the costumes, I mean, you know, yeah, Stooge with his pig snout, mm-hmm. to me it's not necessarily about people calling him a pig. I mean that's obviously related, but yeah. Uh, but it's more he kind of represents that that part of, you know, that that part of men that Judy's afraid of. These mm-hmm. these kind of like, you know, piggish slobs that are all obsessed with like sex and getting her naked and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's very much like that sort of image for her. Yeah. And then and then the others, you know, uh I mean the doctor's whatever, but to to me the doctor just represents more of adulthood, you know. Yeah. But then yeah, the others are like kind of, you know, slutty costumes or <laughs> Or you got uh, Helen, who, you know, is sort of like kind of the Greek mythology, right? And sort of like paganism. And <laughs>
2: Oh, I interpret Helen's as a completely different costume. Because um, she is doing the the Greek stuff, but um, Helen is the only one that when she looks into the mirror, she sees the truth. And so I view her more as um, the Cassandra role from the, the War of Troy. You know, she's the one who sees the future and nobody listens to her and so they all fall to their own demise. No,
1: sure. I, I'm sure <laughs> that has something to do with it. I'm just saying that, you know, for, for a character like Judy though, like yeah. you know, Greek mythology would you know, would not necessarily fit into her views, right? Yeah. So so I just, but so I view it more as like paganistic, although I do mm. see what you're saying. Uh and then and then you have Jay who's like, you know, kind of a image of her future of just like boring. You know, Jay's the only one not wearing a costume, you know, and so he's kind of like this boring example of adulthood, but at the same time, he's also kind of, you know, it's sort of like saying that is his costume, you know, is presenting himself as like this nice, you know, charming boy next door when he's really not that, yeah. you know. Uh, but but I wanted to talk about Angela really quick, and that's because her costume, you know, you were talking about, oh, well, why does the demon pick her? Well, I don't know why the demon picks her specifically. It's causing but, the costume. But the costume itself, you know, what I love about her look is here you have this, like, sort of bridal kind of costume, you know, she's almost like the bride of the devil in a sense, you know, Mm -hmm. and to me, her floating around in this bridal costume and, like, cackling after Judy and all that (laughs) kind of stuff, it's almost like she's sort of, and this just comes from my Midwest upbringing, but it's almost like she's sort of, you know, this example of, like, Midwesternism, right, where it's, like, The idea there is you're supposed to grow up and get married and have kids and die you know yep and so and so she might be kind of emblematic uh to someone like judy of like here's your future here's this fucking terrifying future (laughs) where you have nothing to look forward to except being a fucking bride to fucking jay (laughs) and and that's all you have to look forward to now you know because you're growing up you're gonna fuck jay you're gonna you're gonna marry him and then this is your life from (laughs) now on you know you're Obviously. gonna marry
2: someone who doesn't give a shit about your feelings or what you want.
1: Right, right. It's yeah. uh, it's just it's just that fear of like, you know, being forced into that kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. when maybe, you know, maybe Judy doesn't want to like get married right away and have kids. Maybe she wants to have some kind of fucking life, right? <laughs> so so I don't know. I just I view, you know, because this whole movie ends up being so around sex, which we will get into in a second, because it ends up being so around that, you know, Angela just kind of seems like this sort of perfect villainous face for it of you know just just kind of being like here's adulthood kids <laughs> you know <laughs> fucking see the face of horror it's growing up <laughs> <laughs> growing up and getting married
2: <laughs> that is that is definitely a horror yeah uh, you know personally for me with angela i view her a little bit more as you know uh, a shadow self Instead of, you know, the doom and gloom of, like, getting married and getting stuck in relationships, I almost kind of view Angela as that part of the self that, you know, Judy maybe doesn't want to acknowledge just because Angela is a little bit more comfortable and more free with herself type of thing. And I think, you know, that's why when we have that, like, seance scene, you know, we see the the demon face for Angela as her past self. Um, so I'm kind of curious what what your take on the the séance scene is.
1: I mean, to me, the the séance scene can be interpreted some different ways, and one that I kind of want to throw out there is that, you know, they they talk about like all the the lost souls and stuff that are there, and you know, I I just find it interesting that the choice for the séance is not something like you know, just very simply, we're going to have a seance. Mm-hmm. It's, we're going to have a seance to see our past selves. Yeah. And so, I almost kind of wonder, and, and I actually do think that something like this is is presented in part two, but it's been so long since I've seen it that I can't quite remember. But but I sort of feel like maybe this whole thing is kind of about this idea that uh, Angela, if not all of these kids, are actually like reincarnated souls from the deaths that happened Oh. At this house. <laughs> uh, Because cause when you start to break it down, like, first of all, it's very coincidental that all these kids are partying together on this night. You know, I mean... We <laughs> these
2: kids are not friends in school.
1: They're not. I mean, we know that they're not. You know, yeah. A- Angela and Suzanne, like, they clearly don't spend any time with these kids. We don't really know why of all of the kids they could have chosen, they picked these fucking squares, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Like, I know if I was Angela and Suzanne, I would not want to party with these kids. Yeah. You know, so we don't know why they picked them. Uh, We also don't really know why these kids agreed. I mean, (laughs) you know, they also seem like they would never hang out with these two and they could have gone any worse. And I know that they say, oh, Halloween's like Christmas to Angela. Of course she's going to throw a good party. I don't think that that's really a good (laughs) explanation, you know? Like, there's no way these kids didn't have plans already, probably, right? So... (laughs) Um, you know, so so it's kind of coincidental how they're all sort of brought together, how they all decide to have this party at Hall House on of all nights, you know, Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um and then just just there's this all this talk of past selves and you know, the demon being raised in the mirror when they're trying to raise Angela's past self. Mm-hmm. And you know, we talk about how these murders occurred in Uh, I think like the 60s or how this is haunted land that's been like that for a long time. Yeah. So, you know, if it was in the 60s, it would still work that these kids could be reincarnated souls from that massacre. Mm -hmm. Uh, They could also be from any time period, you know, but it just starts to feel like, you know, they're there for a reason. And then you have lines too, like Helen say, they've all died and gone to hell. Yeah. Well, maybe the idea is, is that no matter what, their souls are kind of destined to come back to the whole house and, you know, this, die there. This <laughs> is some kind of
2: purgatory that they're trapped in, almost.
1: Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, because the ending obviously, you know, shows us that that's not maybe quite the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but who knows? You know, maybe maybe Judy and Roger were maybe they're not reincarnated souls. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Yeah, it, it in a sense, it's kind of like these souls keep being reincarnated in other people and are still drawn back to this fucking place because they're just basically damned forever. So.
2: <laughs> I fucking love that concept. Yeah. Like, I think that's such a cool idea that they just keep getting drawn back to the place of their murders and are kind of forced to relive that tragedy in different ways. It kind of represents whatever the values are at the time.
1: Right, and who knows? Maybe Angela was chosen because maybe she's the reincarnated soul of, like, the ex-wife or whatever, you know, that died. So. <laughs>
2: ah, I I definitely really dig that as a concept because for me, it is such an interesting choice because we've seen so many different seances throughout horror films. But to make the choice about it centering around a mirror, which, you know, we all know, you know, the saying that it's window into the soul, that sort mm-hmm. of a thing. So this concept that the kids are really like looking into themselves and what's looking back is this horrible demon looking back who's about to like just fuck them all up. And mm. then not only that, but then the mirror shattering. I think for me that's one of like the most I guess kind of iconic scenes is that moment where they're all looking into like the fractured mirror pieces and we're kind of getting that early glimpse about how all these kids are basically going to get like torn asunder from each other. Um, torn
1: asunder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I just I think that's such a cool visual about what's going about to happen to the kids and the use of mirrors is you know, brilliant, and then your idea of it just being them going back and back and back. But it makes me wonder if then it is possible, if, like, you know, it's possible for some of these reincarnated souls to escape since Judy and and Roger do, or Judy wasn't supposed to be there. She was supposed to be at the dance.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I don't know what the explanation for Roger would be, but... (laughs) but but yeah, no, it's totally possible that they weren't supposed to be there. And I mean, again, you know, something else I didn't mention is you also have the line where, uh, where you know, I think it's Angela who tells Sal like, "You are home, Sal." You know, and yeah, and it's just kind of like, yes, is that sort of you know basic shit for a demon to see in these to say in these kind of movies? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, but if you do want to kind of look for like meaning in this, you know, uh, I do think it's totally possible that all those kids are destined to be there. Yeah. So
2: for me, the most telling example is Helen. Because Helen's death happens off screen. Everybody else kind of dies for a reason. But Helen's the only one who kind of gets taken and then just shows up later. Pretty mm. much dead on the car. And so I think that's the best example for these kids are just bound to die over and over again at this house.
1: Sure. Uh, so <laughs> so, so, what are, you know, I do want to know too, because like, something else that's really interesting in this movie is the way that the demons are kind of passed on. It's mm-hmm. so like, what do you think about What's going on in here with that? Because it's very specific.
2: <laughs> Look, I feel like it's it's your favorite concept. Everything is about sex.
1: You are correct. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it very much like, like, I think this is a very clear-cut example of, you know, demons as STDs or STDs as demons, however you want to take it.
1: Either way.
3: <laughs> Either way,
2: it's getting passed on. But um, for me, what I really love about it as a concept is I feel like normally when we see it, it's like, first getting passed from girl to guy or guy to girl, same sex type of thing. But the fact that the first transmission is um Suzanne and Angela kissing, I think that's awesome because mm. I think that's really why Angela is the big bad at the end because this is also potentially her sexual awakening, her being more comfortable with who she is.
1: Well, okay, but but that's not the viewpoint of the movie. Like I don't think that I don't think that Angela being comfortable with her... Se- no, you're <laughs> missing it. The, the way
2: it- <laughs> I always miss it.
1: No, I, th- I think that, I mean, look, maybe that was the original intention of the script. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that the way it's presented, though, is that I would actually more look at it, again, because this movie's not from Angela's point of view. No. This movie's from Judy's point of view. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it from Judy's point of view, Angela is scary. Yeah. Angela's weird. Angela is, you know, uh, an outcast, you know? so So if you want to look at it that way... Then I think it's more that let's say that Angela is queer, Mm -hmm. you know, then then that just makes it more of a reason from Judy's point of view for why Angela is this main big bad. Because, you know, because to someone like Judy, you know, queerness is scary, right? Yeah. You know, to her fucking Christian morals. <laughs> I, I like and, and look, I get that there is no implication whatsoever that Judy's Christian or hardcore <laughs> Catholic or whatever. Um, but just like the, just the themes of the movie is very much like she is it, a it, representative of like Christian teens. I right? think
2: it's safe to say uh, white girl from a suburb's probably Christian.
1: Yeah. So so you know, so again, the house is everything that either scares her or makes her uncomfortable. Uh, so so you know a potential queerness with Angela is one of those things Mm -hmm. and then you do also have you know so yes going back to my favorite theme in (laughs) horror which is sex uh, (laughs) is that yeah you know it it is a pretty clear-cut example I think of uh, of you know STDs being represented by demons in this Mm -hmm. case and you know for (laughs) for a lot of you I understand if you're like well come on that's too far you know but but it you know, it, it get some of these things, like it's always funny to me because you never quite know if it's conscious or subconscious from, mm-hmm. from the filmmaker's point of view. But when you look at Night of the Demons, I mean, for God's sakes, every single person except for Helen and Sal that die is during sex. Yep. You know? I mean the the first person to get possessed is Linnea Quigley, who is sexing it up through the whole movie to the the point where she's putting her ass right in Max's face. Right. (laughs) You know, and and just trying to sleep with like anyone she can. She's been Uh, very
2: clear about what she wants.
1: She has. Yes, she has. Um, you know, like she's the first possessed because she's the most sexually awakened. Right. You know, she, (laughs) she is, she is the most, the most sexually active, I guess you could say. And so, so the demons choose her because of that. And then how does it get passed? She makes out with Angela. Mm -hmm. Now Angela's possessed. And then how does, you know, Stooge die? Stooge makes out with Angela. And she and rips that, his
2: fucking and tongue out. she rips his fucking
1: tongue out. And then you have the one couple that gets killed in the coffin while they're fucking. Uh, Jay gets killed fucking Suzanne, right? It's like, you know, and, and, and Sal, I mean, he dies because he was there to try to fuck, right? You know, <laughs> Hel- Helen's the only one I can't quite explain. And so... You know, or or that doesn't quite fit into that. So, mm-hmm. so you know, it, it's very clear that, like, this is kind of a commentary on just sort of that fear of sexuality. Again, because Judy's this character who, you know, uh, and, and look, there's nothing wrong with this, but Judy's this character who's, like, you know, telling Jay to slow down or, like, mm-hmm. she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to sleep with him. And then when he pushes it, she's like, get the fuck out of here, you know? And then she gets basically, like, locked in a box because yeah. of it like jay basically puts her in time out you know yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it, so so if you again if you're looking at it through judy's point of view it is this fear of sex working throughout the movie because that's how all of these characters are becoming possessed is mm-hmm. through sexual actions yeah you know so
2: you know i definitely agree with that i think that to you know potentially take it a, a little step further it's if it's her, her fear of sex, I think that we're really seeing her fear of of male aggression as well. Because, oh, for sure. Yeah, because the dudes are really the ones who get it bad when they die. Like, Stooge loses his tongue. Jay gets his eyes gouged out. Max loses a fucking arm.
1: No, that's not male aggression. I, I thought w- what I view it more as is like, you know, because that's not male aggression. That That's how the men are dying. <laughs>
2: oh, no. That's, I, that's why I, I view it as like her... You know, if she's not comfortable with sex, it's usually because of like the dudes being super aggressive with her. and s-
1: okay I, I, well, I think another way to look at it is that, you know, look look at the different ways in how the women and men kill in this movie, right mm-hmm. so so both Suzanne and Angela kill through some sort of sexual pleasure yeah you know granted it's very brief pleasure but they (laughs) but you know angela kills stooge through making out suzanne kills jay through fucking him Mm -hmm. uh you know that's kind of their method Whereas stooge, if you want to talk about scary male aggression, mm-hmm. stooge just comes right into the couple fucking the coffin, breaks <laughs> her neck, slams the coffin on the other guy's arm, and kills him that way, right yeah, you know he, the the male killers are very aggressive in this movie they're very <laughs> mm-hmm. they're very you know like frighteningly strong and like you know just vicious and savage mm-hmm. uh, whereas the women are still savage, you know, yep. cuz we got fucking eyes getting gouged out and tons bit off, but they're they're more sensual about it, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess if you want to look at it anyway, it's it's a pretty clear-cut thing of women tend to be more sensual and <laughs> you know, or 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 not sen- more more either, you know, if not sensual, just more like <laughs> understanding maybe of their partner or something mm-hmm. like that, where whereas men or, you know, more seductive, whereas men are just like, let's fuck, <laughs> you know, like, there, there's no sensuality to it, there's no, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's no, like, uh, persuasion, it's just like, let's fucking do this, you know, <laughs> and and I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, you know, there's obviously men and women that would fall into either of those categories right but mm-hmm. but for the most part the the general concept is that and so you know so i think that's kind of like how you can view sort of male aggression in this movie through judy's through judy's point of view mm-hmm. and then just to just to kind of play up the the whole concept of halloween which we haven't talked about much in this is you know halloween again to christians <laughs> is <laughs> is supposed to be like a night of sin right you know mm-hmm. it's all it's when all the sinners come out and all the fucking weirdos like us you know and and so to me, it's like not so coincidental when when Judy is left alone with Jay and Franny, you know, turns to her and is like, happy Halloween and yeah. then walks out, <laughs> you know, and it, so it's almost like happy Halloween is in place here of like, you know, good luck, you know, like, <laughs> have
2: good sex.
1: Yeah, like happy fucking, you know, yep. like it's it, it's kind of it's kind of how that feels to me because it's mm-hmm. not. It's not a it's not a goodbye of like Judy's excited. It's a goodbye of Judy internally is like, "Oh dear god, no, do not leave me alone in here with Jay." You know?
2: <laughs> I feel like that's part of the reason why she asked Max to like tell the story cuz she knows what's going to happen the moment they're alone and she's just trying oh, definitely. Yeah, she's just trying to prolong it as long as possible. I think that's also kind of for me to kind of go back to something we were talking about earlier. The brilliance of the costumes is that normally with Halloween, you dress up in costumes to be somebody else. You know, that's kind of the whole point of Halloween. And the interesting thing with this one is that all of our characters are wearing Halloween costumes that very much represent themselves. Mm. You know, and that's especially true for for Judy when it comes to sex. She is Alice in Wonderland. She's innocence personified. She doesn't. There's a reason her and Roger make it out. They do not want to have sex. They don't want to like... Well, let's not speak
1: for Roger. Maybe he (laughs) did want to get laid. We don't know.
2: (laughs) Roger is out so fucking fast with very sexually explicit women because you know, to what we were talking about with him before and him not really participating, there's a moment where Suzanne is doing her little dance in front of the fireplace. Oh, wait, no, he's totally watching that too. Never mind. No,
1: what, this, what are you talking about?
2: <laughs> I <forgot. laughs> I don't know. I. It's one of those things that, like, I think you can also view the sexual aspect of it, of the, the whole high school thing, being pressured into sex, whether you're ready or not to have it. And Roger, I think, at least establishes you know, he might not be ready for it, so he's getting the fuck out. Demons, nope, he's out. He's not doing any of that. Whereas, like, Judy's kind of getting trapped in, like, the pressure of, like, will she, won't she? And her response to that is fucking flamethrower to the face.
1: Yeah, I sure. <laughs> um, you know, but basically, just, you know, all that being said, it's like, you know, essentially, again, it again, it's the interesting thing about 80s horror movies, right? Mm. Is, like, I think we started to lose this over time but the 80s especially were just very hardcore like christian for some <laughs> reason you know and 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 that's so weird to say as a horror fan you know because a lot of us horror fans we don't look at them that way or we don't want to look at these movies as being like christian values right yeah um but but some of them do kind of boil down to that again mm-hmm. whether it's meant to or not you know when it, when you do look at this cuz again what what kind of ultimately maybe saves Judy a little bit mm-hmm. is the fact that she didn't fuck Jay, you know, yeah. because she ends up locked in this room and her abstinence basically <laughs> like keeps her out of the party, you know, when everyone else is getting their fucking heads ripped off <laughs> and and it kind of keeps her away from the danger for a little while, you know. Forced um,
2: abstinence will save your life.
1: Right. And and <laughs> as we all know, that just happened to be a theme running through a lot of these movies, especially slashers for such a long time. So I don't know I just think it's interesting it's really funny to me that you know Night of the Demons is I think this horror film that's held up by a lot of us weirdos as like you know a celebration of weirdos Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's kind of not you know (laughs) I I think I think if you really want to look at a celebration of like weirdos and horror you know Return of the Living Dead is kind of maybe the more ultimate sort of film in that regard to me because all those characters are fucking weirdos. Yeah. And and you root for all of them, you know, so. Mm
2: -hmm. Kind of touching on, like, the Halloween theme a little bit, there is one interesting thing in this movie that it opens and it closes on this fuckity, like, old crotchety man who wants to put razor blades in apples. I'm wondering if what your viewpoints on this fucking old man is.
1: Twofold. So I think that... For one, I mean, it's just it's just a hilarious way to go in and out of the movie, like, right? I, especially the way that it ends with him getting the fucking razor blades in his throat. Although I do not think that that is how that works. Um, oh, but, absolutely
2: <laughs> not. But his wife is amazing.
1: Yeah, I, but anyway, you know, I mean, first of all, okay, yes, you know, for for those that grew up in a time, I mean, I don't know what the Halloween myths or any or anything like that is now because I don't, you know, I'm not a child going trick or treating anymore. Um, I wish. Yeah, and when I say I'm not a child going (laughs) trick-or-treating, I just mean that I'm not a kid anymore, but I would still totally go trick-or-treating. Fuck Um, yeah, free candy? But, you know, so, I mean, when I was a kid, yeah, you had all these worries about, like, oh, you know, poison candy or candy with razor blades in it and stuff. So, I mean, it's a play on that, obviously. But uh, at the same time, you know, I think that it speaks in two ways. One is maybe the more obvious one where it's, like, something I love about Halloween horror movies in particular, which I'm pretty sure we'll end up touching on this throughout the month, is... The idea, the idea that and and trick or treat did it the best where it's this idea that you fuck around with Halloween and find (laughs) out, you know, like that. Like that's kind of that's kind of a underlying theme in a lot of these movies. It's like you fuck with Halloween, you fucking find out, you know, Uh, don't fuck with Halloween. And you don't really see that in other holiday horror movies, you know, Mm -hmm. With, with Christmas horror. There's not really a theme of like fucking around with Christmas. Yeah, it's just bad shit happens on Christmas. Right. Uh, Halloween is kind of one of the only ones where, you know, it's characters that are breaking the traditions of Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. or, or not Christmas. It's characters that are breaking the traditions of Halloween that are, you know, that are putting a bad name on Halloween. Like, they always get their comeuppets, you know. Yeah. Which, again, is totally like a horror movie fan thing to do in horror, right, is mm. to be like, hey, you, f- you fucking turn up a face at my horror movies. This is what you get, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, so it kind of works in that way, but but in a more thematic way, I think that it's you know you can kind of look at it i think as this idea that you know the way we sort of feel when we look at the generation that came before us right Mm -hmm. and how they probably look at the generation that came before them and how the generation younger than us probably looks at us is this idea that the older generation just has fucked us over you know and and so i guess what i mean by that is that you know again if you're looking at this point of view of judy And, you know, Judy kind of being sort of trapped in this world where there's like expectations of her and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that you can kind of look at the old man who, you know, the first time he meets her in the movie is like calling her a whore and like all this kind of (laughs) stuff, you know. And he's basically like not just putting her in a box by like just assuming that. You know, she's this, like, sexual fiend, right? Because yeah. she's a teenager. But then there's also, like, he's putting that on her. Like, he he is, you know, him and his generation are essentially just, like, giving up on her before she even gets a chance, you Yeah. Know? And so I think that's kind of, like, the idea there is that, you know, this older generation that is essentially killing the youth, mm-hmm. you know, that's essentially, like... Uh, pigeonholing them, using them however they want to, doing with them as they please, you know, setting them up to fail, like all that kind of stuff.
2: And I think that's very evident in the fact that he's trying to like slip razor blades into apples. It is very much like this older generation not taking, you know, accountability to what they've created with the younger generation. Because we are shaped by our elders and how Mm. they respond to us and what they teach us. And so it's very clear that like you know, by all the kids fucking with him in the beginning, you know he hasn't been a good role model. He hasn't treated the younger generation with any kind of respect, and now that they're getting older, they're lashing out. And his response to that is like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna kill all of you fuckers!" Right. Like that's an appropriate response.
1: Well, and, <laughs> and if you want to, if, if you want to look at it more too in like a more sex positive way, you know, like mm. if you're if you view this film and you're like, "I don't want to think about this movie in terms of like sex is bad," you know, yeah, then you can also kind of look at it too in the sense that you know, maybe it's sort of a thing about how this old man deserves to die Mm -hmm. because he is putting those presumptions on these teens in the sense that, like, because they have sex, they're evil or something, right? Yeah. You know, and so it could sort of be the movie being like, hey, that's not okay. You know, like, it's not, like, these kids are not demons just because they had sex, right? Mm -hmm. They're not demons just because they're sexually active. And so it's kind of like a middle finger to the older generation of like, stop treating kids like that and just let them live their fucking lives, you now, know?
2: <laughs> that's why his wife is my hero in this. The fact that she realizes what her husband's doing and is kind of like, you know what, fucker? No, fuck you. I'm going to feed you your own poison and you're going to choke on it, bitch.
1: I just love her being like, happy Halloween, dear. She yeah. like sips her coffee like, thank God, I got rid of you finally, you fuck.
2: Right. She is life goals. I love her.
1: Yeah. Please don't murder me with pie.
2: I will not murder <laughs> you with pie.
1: Or, or murder me at all, you know, if you could just <laughs> avoid that part of marriage. Look,
2: as long as you don't try to slip razor blades into apples to feed children, we won't have a problem.
1: No, no. I mean, to feed, I, I might do that with politicians, but not- <laughs> not. Oh,
2: that's fine. Yeah. Not
1: kids. That's um fine. <laughs> Uh, I think, yeah, I got a basket of apples I need to send to some people. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so we got to start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of Night of the Demons?
2: Look, that's fucking Jay for having sex with Suzanne, who's clearly unhinged.
1: This is, yeah. <laughs> Jay, oh man, Jay is like the ultimate fuck boy. Um, he is. You know, yeah, no, Jay's awesome. my killer idiot. It's for exactly that reason. I I mean, first of all, he's an asshole to Judy. And like, look, whatever you think of Judy very attractive woman you know if he if he was interested in in her he should have not been such an asshole and you know let their date breathe a little bit before he tried to get with her uh so you know i mean i'm just saying like hey man if you really wanted to sleep with judy maybe don't be a fucking dick on your first date you know
2: i love Um, that she pushes him off onto the floor
1: yeah it's great you know and you know you're just missing out bro um but so not not only is he stupid for that but also yes you know having sex with suzanne where it's like i mean (laughs) Look, I like my women weird too, as Chris can attest to. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but, but, but if I, I think that if I walked in on a stranger that had done the makeup job that Suzanne had <laughs> and just looked like she was having a whole fucking mess of a problem and yep. is holding shards of a mirror, my first intention might not be to fuck her. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, like I get there are some pretty basic ass dudes out there that you know are willing to do whatever for anything, but. Um, fucking grow up, you know. Yeah, still.
2: <laughs> come on. Although I would like to learn her nipple trick. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be able to store shit in my boobs, but come on.
1: You just got to keep trying. I, I mean, just how, keep how many trying. times have you really tried to shove a, a thing lipstick, of lipstick, into, lipstick into your nipple? You know,
2: not enough times, apparently. <laughs> Which
1: something I love about that scene too is so not to be gross, but it's like I I think of all of the all all of the teens who watched this movie when they were that age, and you know might see that scene. And they're like, "Oh my God, Linea Quigley's so hot and the <laughs> these these scenes always are hilarious to me when I think about the kids that are watching them for like the nudity uh-huh. because if you're a t- if you're a kid watching this for the nudity and then you know you're like turned on by the fact that you know you're you're seeing Quigley's tits, mm-hmm. the fact that she then like shoves a thing of lipstick into her nipple <laughs> it's like not only is the movie completely destroying your heart, on or at least i hope it is yeah uh unless you're really into people shoving shit into their tits um well. <laughs> uh, but not only is it completely destroying that but it's also like the movie kind of giving you a middle finger because it's like, ha-ha, it was never a real boob to begin with.
3: Yeah, <laughs> fuck you.
1: Um, all right, so who, what about your killer death in Night of the Demons?
2: Dude, that's the old man. Him getting the razor blade coming through his throat is amazing. I don't think it's biologically possible, but it's amazing.
1: Yeah, well, no, I, I don't know that it's bi- <laughs> biologically possible as well, but... Uh, I'm also going to go with Jay because fuck Jay. And, yes, plus his uh,
2: eye pops.
1: Yeah, no, his eye actually pops. It's a very watery eye gouging, which I always love. You know, the, the watery and grosser, the better. Although yeah. I still think that, you know, probably the best... Although I don't know if you really call, call it a gouge, but I still think the best eye gouge in cinema is Zombie. Yeah. Uh, when you get the splinter through the girl's eye. But but no, yeah, I, I, I love his death because not only does he deserve it, um, but, you know, it also... It also fits well into the theme I think where like Suzanne is kind of this character that you know I didn't get to talk about her too much but Suzanne's kind of this character that you know I feel like she is she is sexually free but mm-hmm. you also get kind of this sense where it's like she's maybe sort of putting on a face like she maybe sort of feels like she has to be that person in order yeah. to get men you know like there's 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 It's not very present, but there's like a slight sadness to her, you know, in the sense that like you kind of feel like she feels like she has to do these things to get attention. And so her having that whole moment where she's like, stop looking at me. Why are you Mm. looking at me? You know, It, it to me, it's just like another commentary on the objectification of men, which is very present in this movie. Yes. And again, kind of being like. Fuck you, dudes, for doing this, you know? <laughs>
2: going to gouge so, your eyes out.
1: Yeah, so I just love that. Uh, and then lastly, what about your killer MVP of Night of the Demons?
2: Uh, look, for me, that goes to the costumer for uh, Suzanne's dress alone because I absolutely want that dress.
1: Suzanne's dress, not Angela's?
2: <laughs> Angela's dress is amazing, and I love it. But I love just the sheer contrast in Suzanne's dress of the fact that it is this very innocent, bright pink thing, and then it's a total sex pot dress
3: a like sex <laughs> it is
2: because of the sheer nature of it like it's just such a genius dress and of course Angela's is amazing but yeah the the costumer is uh, Donna Reynolds and she just did a fantastic job with all the costuming in this film I uh, but yeah I want Suzanne's dress
1: yeah no the, the costuming's great um I'm <laughs> actually gonna go with whole house itself though Only because, uh, from what I understand, and again, you know, this is all, like, internet bullshit, so I can never know how real some of this is. Mm -hmm. But supposedly, you know, Hull House actually didn't need much dressing from the production designer. It actually looked a lot like you see in the movie. Oh, shit. um, Just, like, super rundown and trashy and all this kind of stuff. And I just think that the house itself sets such a good vibe for the movie you know, because it, it 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 has a really it is a bit of a character in the film. You know, like it yeah. ha- it has a really unique look to it. Like haunted houses always kind of have a fun look to them, and I just think that whole house just really nails that look. You know, mm-hmm. uh, sadly though, from what from what I was reading, whole house has since uh, been replaced by a Ralph's now. What? Um, fuck be- <laughs> you, Ralphs. <laughs> so fuck Ralphs. I'm still going to shop there because I have to, but fuck you, Ralphs. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for us on Night of the Demons. So hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the film Hell House LLC, uh, which that is streaming on Shudder and I'm sure other places that you can find up, uh, maybe on Prime. Uh, but recommend checking that out before the episode if you can. Get started on your homework if you, if you like. <laughs> uh, uh, but so we're we'll going to be talking about that. There is an entire trilogy, so if you watch the first Hell House... And you're like, wow, I really like that. You know, there are two more movies that you can seek out. I think they're all on Shudder. Uh, well worth a, a weekend for you to marathon those if you want. All super fun. All super fun. Um, but so that's next week. And so anyway, yeah, that's it for us. So I'm Matt.
2: And I'm Chris.
1: And have a good night, horror fans, and happy Halloween. <laughs>
2: Bye.
0: I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.